0: Clarity on your niche, podcasting, monetizing, and so much more. That's S T E F A N I E G A S S, The Stephanie Gas Show. I pray it blesses you.
1: Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is the seventh day of All in August. Lord has blessed us with the ability to do this every day so far this month, and I hope that you're getting something out of it. i um, love to hear from you. Uh, Speakpipe.com slash Dr. Lee Warren is where you can leave the voicemail. Hey, I want to send a shout out to our youngest child, our daughter, Kaylin. After all these years of working super hard, has finished her master's degree and graduated yesterday from Auburn University with a master's in marriage and family therapy. They'll, her and Noah um, will be moving to San Antonio to start their careers and Just really excited. We're going to have three of our kids in the San Antonio area um, soon. So uh, that's exciting for us because we can see a a lot of grandkids in one visit. So uh, anyway, congratulations, Kalen. We're proud of you. Love you. Um, And friend, listen, this morning I'm going to share a a quick little Sunday morning message for you. I don't want to take up a lot of time. A couple of scriptures and a couple of thoughts. Based around a an email I received from a listener yesterday, and if we're going to go all in for August, one thing we have to do is be willing to assess how we think and feel about ourselves, insights that we have about who we are, and our willingness to put those things on the altar for God when our own self-interests contradict His Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about that We're going to just share a quick email, a couple scriptures, one song And we'll be out because I want you to spend today uh, getting some rest Or uh, hopefully worshiping with your family, your friends, and your church family And I hope that you have some people around you to help you start today Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule You have to change your mind first Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Okay, friend, I want to read you an email that I received yesterday from a listener. By the way, you can always email me, lee at drleewarren.com is the email address, lee at drleewarren.com. Lisa is lisa at lisawarren.com. Uh, and Tata is Dennis McDonald one at com. We get personal emails from listeners and readers all the time. We try to reply to all of them. Sometimes it takes a week or two, but, but if you write us, we'll generally write you back. Uh, and if we don't, it may have gotten sent to spam or something. So don't be afraid to try again. If you don't hear from us in a reasonable amount of time, but we do try to respond to everybody. Um, but a listener named Berva, um, wrote in yesterday. I don't know where she's from. Um, but check this out, um, Doctor Warren. Love listening. If I I would like your opinion, please, about personality traits and types and the assessments that are used to identify those. I have used assessments, Myers Briggs, Clifton Strength Finders, etc., for years for myself and for college students I was working with. I have always found these assessments to be pretty accurate and very helpful, both in relationships and understanding our strengths and in part for evaluating career choices. First, what is your opinion of assessments like this? Are they supporting theories Are the supporting theories obsolete? Next, as a strong feeler, as identified by assessments and my own experiences, I find it challenging to manage those feelings. In fact, I feel led by feelings quite often. I am proud of being intuitive and empathetic, traits that I believe are driven by being a feeler. As I listen to All in August, I feel challenged and curious about successfully doing self-brain surgery. It seems almost impossible for a natural feeler. Thoughts. I wish I was on staff at North Platte Public Schools. What a treat to hear you talk. Uh, that would be so. Hey, thanks for this email. This is a great email, and it's exactly the kind of stuff we're getting at. Okay, when you when you talk about being a natural feeler, for example, I'm really glad you brought this up. So we are always talking about how feelings aren't facts. Feelings aren't facts, and and the the truth is that some people are more. Um, naturally prone to having strong emotion. And that strong emotion can sometimes lead us into um, believing things that may or may not necessarily be true or feeling like um, nobody else understands us or nobody else gets it or nobody else sees who we really are. We can be we can be sometimes, like you said, kind of led by our feelings and we have to be careful with that. And the idea of personality types and personality um, tests is super important. In fact, every psychologist would probably recommend putting patients through those to help to help us to understand the basis of how we're wired. I mean, God made us all in his image and he made us all with our own personality and our own um, strengths and weaknesses. And the thing about personality tests, and, and for Christians, a lot of people use one called the Enneagram. And you'll see if you go on social media, people actually posting. So I would say two things. One, the the more liberal Christians or some of the non-Christian folks, if you you scroll through their Instagram or their Twitter or their their Facebook profiles, you'll see a lot of people that are posting some really personal information about themselves in their profiles. So you'll say, you know, John Smith, he slash him, Enneagram 8, Myers-Briggs, blah, blah, blah. You know, they'll list all these things that we're supposed to know about them up front before we interact with them. And they're supposed to, those things are supposed to tell us how we're supposed to interact with those people, right? So the the thing is that we're we're kind of posting information about ourselves almost as a way to say, hey, this is how I am. You should watch how you behave around me because this is uh, what I expect from you. I expect you to interact with me in accordance with my personality type. So sometimes that can become a problem, though, because we're not just informing people, but we're almost Warning people. Because for many of us, I think sometimes the personality type becomes something that we use to defend our actions and defend our behavior rather than giving insight into it. So the the two words I want to give you today are insight versus identity. You hear a lot about identity today in the in the media and in our culture. You hear a lot of people talking about this is my identity or that's my identity. this is how I feel. You have to watch out for me okay and I would just suggest that as Christians, we need to filter. What we learn about ourselves from personality types, what we learn about ourselves from standardized testing, what we decide, we feel about ourselves from whatever it might be, whatever aspect of your of your personality, your identity, your your thought processes about yourself, we all have to put all of that on the altar of serving Christ, because the fact is, God did make us all in His image, and He did make us all with unique personalities and unique. Um, have unique ways to look at the world and how we feel about ourselves and all those things and unique ways in how we process emotion and how we come up with thought processes. All those are unique, but also God called all of us to deny ourselves and take up his cross and follow him. Check out what Jesus said to the disciples in Luke chapter nine. He's starting in verse 23. He said this, then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self and check out second corinthians chapter 5 starting at 14 paul says for christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, the thing is, if we, if we serve Christ, he's not just our Savior. He didn't just wipe the slate clean and we get to go on. And like Mark Batterson said, are we following him or is he following us? Like, hey, thanks for saving me. Follow me into this lifestyle that I've chosen or follow me into this set of feelings that I want to make sure everybody else honors and makes me feel good about how I am make sure that that Jesus follows us. And that's not what he says. If anybody wants to follow me, you must deny yourself and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. So here's the thing for him. Here's what I'm getting at. We can choose to let personality types give us insight into our baseline of how we're wired so that we can use that information to make better choices going forward. Hey, I know I'm vulnerable to this. I know I'm, I know I tend to Get tripped up by how I feel about these things. I need to watch out for these situations where my my emotions are are high. I need to watch out for places where I tend to fall into certain thought pattern, certain thought patterns and traps, and that throws me off. And I get offended. And then every time I do that, this happens with my husband. We get in this fight because I am offended and I can't hear anything beyond that. Or every time. He says that, I feel this, and then I say that, and then he feels that, and it turns into this. If you have if you have insight into your personality type, you can say, you know what? I need to arm myself with a little thought or a little prayer or a little meditation or a little reading or a little worship music or something before I go into those situations because I know that's going to trip my personality. I need to be prepared for that. So you can use them for insight. If you're Enneagram 6, and that means you tend to think and feel these certain ways. You can use it for insight, or you can use it for identity. So you could, instead of saying, hey, I need to watch out, I need to be careful, I need to be wise, I need to be thoughtful and, and careful about how my personality tends to lead me into certain patterns and behaviors and thoughts, or you can say, you know what, this is how I am, and everybody needs to bend the knee to my feelings, because that's just that's just how it is. I'm made that way, and God made me this way, and you better watch out, because if you don't honor how I feel, or how I look, or how I you know, I'm wired, then you're injuring me, you're attacking me, because that's how I am. So I would just submit to you, friend, that personality tests can be extremely useful in identifying our strengths and our weaknesses, not just our strengths, but our potential vulnerabilities. Think about superheroes. So the old classic, you know, Superman always has a kryptonite. There's always a weakness that the superhero has, a vulnerability lurking out there somewhere that's going to trip them up. And even the Superman can't behave or perform in a super way when that vulnerability is exposed, right? So I, I feel, to answer your questions, a long-winded way to answer your question, I feel like it's great to understand, to use those assessments to help us understand how we're built and how we're wired and how we think and how we feel, but I do not use them, and I do not do not encourage people to use them to manipulate other people into behaving differently, so as to not offend our sensibilities built around our personality type. Does that make sense? So, I guess the the, the long winded answer to your question is yes. Sometimes these these things can lead us into almost having our feelings hurt, or being offended, or outraged on a constant basis. Or they can give us insight in how to navigate the world in a more wise way, how to take those things that we learn from our personalities and say, you know what, I'm going to put this on the altar, but God gave me these things because I'm supposed to use them for his glory. And there's some ways in which my particular personality can help a group navigate a situation or can help my family or can help me have empathy for, for other people or can help me to lead my family in a better way or to lead my business in a better way. If you understand how you are, you can use those gifts of how God made you in his image as as ways to honor him or you can take them and internalize them and say nope this is my this is who i am and i'm going to put a wall around anybody who tries to to act like my feelings aren't as important as theirs because that's how i am right so insight or identity those are the two ways that i would look at it two ways that i would look at it i want to throw you one more scripture Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, What does it look like if the Holy Spirit is living inside you? So we understand if we accept Christ, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, and He's supposed to be inside us, helping us, to, to help us calm our mind, to help us have power and direction and purpose, and sometimes even to help us know what to pray when we're devastated, when life is hard. And God says, Paul says in Galatians 5, and God inspired him to write this, that when the Holy Spirit's inside someone, the life will bear fruit in certain ways. And the fruit of the Spirit. So the, the the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit inside you is this this bunch of character traits that God calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Those are character traits and qualities that someone will have if they have the Holy Spirit inside them. Okay? So the last one is self control. Now, growing up, this one was used in my church, which is a pretty legalistic, um, fundamentalist-type upbringing. Self-control was always taught and used as a way to, okay, if, if you have self-control, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, then you don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't cuss and you don't have premarital sex. And you, for goodness sake, you don't dance. That's the reason the church is against premarital sex is because at least a dancing. That's a joke. But really, there was like, like all these things that you don't do because that's self-control. That's what we were taught, and it's true. Self-control clearly is about not doing certain things with yourself, with your body, but I would suggest to us that most of the teachings of Jesus are more nuanced than they appear to be on the surface. You know, Jesus would come and say, hey... You Pharisees, you know, the the Old Testament law says you're not supposed to commit adultery. So you guys are perfect. You're not out there committing adultery, and that, that makes you feel holy. But I say to you, if you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already committed adultery. The, 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 the Word says that the Old Testament law says don't commit murder. But I say to you, if you hate your brother... You've already committed murder in your heart. Jesus raises, he takes it up a notch. He makes it more nuanced and more difficult and more about our heart, more about what's inside us, right? So if we say the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and you, Jesus would come and say, hey, you're doing a good job. You're, you're not at the bars every night. You're not you know gambling. You're not you know, putting a needle in your arm. You're not watching pornography. You're not you know doing all these things. You're, on the surface, the outside of your cup looks pretty good. But what about your heart? Jesus would raise that question. What about your heart? Are you a slave to your feelings? Are you protecting and walling off certain aspects of your life from me, from my lordship, because you have taken some tests that told you this is who you are, and you're going to protect that at all costs, and you're going to be offended if anybody challenges it?
0: Listen in to over 500 episodes on biblical business training, clarity on your niche, podcasting, monetizing, and so much more. That's S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E-G-A-S-S, The Stephanie Gas Show. I pray it blesses you.
1: What if self-control is also about learning how to get our minds under control, about being willing to open the door to, to some parts of our heart and spirit that we thought couldn't be changed because that's just who we are. But we forgot that if we're going to come to him, the old has to get gone. We get buried in baptism and the old self dies and we were raised a new creation in his image. And he says, if you want to come to me, you must deny yourself. And take up your cross. So there's sometimes, I would just submit, there's sometimes when God asks us to put our own personality and our own feelings and our own baselines on His cross and let Him give us a new way to feel. In the book All In, chapter 16, The Idol That Provokes Jealousy. If you're reading the book, I would just spend an hour or so in chapter 16. There's this weird verse in Ezekiel eight three. This says the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and in visions of God, he took me to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. There was an idol in this gate to the inner court that made God jealous when he saw it, because people were worshiping that idol. And not him. And it turns out it was a, a sex goddess. It was a fertility goddess. And and, and God basically was jealous that people were worshiping the, the created thing more than the creator. And Mark Batterson writes this incredible chapter. And I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. God is not jealous of anything. He can't be. The Almighty is all-sufficient, but the creator is jealous for everything because it all belongs to him. He's not jealous of anything, but he's jealous for everything, because it all belongs to him. Every blade of grass, every drop of water, every grain of sand, in the timeless words of Abraham Kuyper, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Everything was created by him and for him, and that includes you, all of you. There never has been and never will be anyone like you, And that isn't a testament to you. It's a testament to the God who created you. And that means no one can worship God like you or for you. You are absolutely irreplaceable in God's grand scheme. And God is jealous for you, all of you, every thought, every desire, every dream, every word, every moment. He is the one who causes your synapses to fire. He's the one who conceives desires within your hearts of hearts your heart of hearts. He is the dream giver. He is the word. He is the one who measures your days. It's all from him and for him. That's why he's jealous. And that's why all in and all out is the baseline. That's why he will settle for nothing less than all in and all out. The character of God is revealed by the names of God. There are more than 400 names for God, and each one reveals a dimension of who he is. One of those was revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Did you catch the double emphasis? Listen, God isn't just jealous. He is doubly jealous. And when God says something more than once, you need to think twice about what it means. You don't belong to God once. You belong to God twice, once by virtue of creation, twice by virtue of redemption. He gave us life via creation, and we were dead in our sin. He gave us eternal life via redemption. We don't owe Him one life. We owe Him two lives, and that's why God is doubly jealous. Listen, friend. God isn't jealous of things. He's jealous for things. He created you, your personality type, your unique personhood. And God is jealous because he wants you to use those aspects of the character and and nature that he gave you for his glory. To use your identity to serve him. He wants to give you insight into how he made you, but not to have you wall it off and use it to to fight your own battles or to make other people bend a knee to the, to the God of you. So the question is answered, I think, fairly simply in the idea that God wants us to understand how he made us, but we're willing to put all of those things on the altar for him when our personality conflicts his calling. That's what I would say. Very useful tools, very incredibly helpful, but for insight and not Identity. Listen, there's one last thing from Mark Batterson's chapter that he says, and I think it's it's brilliant. He talks about how the key to identifying your idols—if you have idolatry in your heart—none of us,
2: <coughs>
1: none of us probably have a carved idol in in our closet. People used to actually do that. None of us probably do. But after revealing what was in the hidden rooms, Ezekiel encountered one more idol at the entrance of the north gate of the temple. He saw women mourning a God called Tammuz, the Babylonian fertility God of spring. The key word is mourning. They were mourning this God. If you want to identify your idols... Mark Batterson says, reverse engineer your emotions. Follow the trail of your tears or fears, your cheers or jeers. And if you follow it all the way to the trailhead, you'll come face to face with the idols in your life. So this is God Tammuz was an idol for them. But what makes you really mad or really sad or really glad? What ruins your day or makes your day? What triggers your strongest emotional reaction? Listen to this paragraph from Mark Batterson. The indictment against the Israelites isn't just that they were having an emotional affair with a false God. What's even worse is that they were flatlined in their feelings toward the God who created them with an amygdala, the part of your brain in the medial temporal lobe that manages your emotions. If your deepest feelings are reserved for something other than the Almighty God, then that something other is an emotional idol. Chris. Chris Hodges, our old pastor in Alabama, used to come on Sunday mornings, and and deep south Alabama is a, a football powerhouse, right? you got Auburn and LSU and Alabama in the area, Georgia in the area, lots of big football fans, and it's a big deal. He would come on Sunday morning, and they would play a worship song, and he would get everybody to cheer and stand on their feet and praise God. And then he would say, never give more praise on Saturday to your football team than you're willing to give on Sunday to your God. Like, Be more excited about God and worshiping him than you were about the touchdown that Georgia scored yesterday, right? So he's just saying God's jealous of our affection. God's jealous of our heart. He's jealous of our emotional state. And he's jealous of our personality type, right? So, please don't think anything I'm saying here is harsh. I'm just saying these tests can be extremely useful. I think they're great for employers to understand how their employees are wired. But in terms of your, your walk and your life and how you live your life and how happy you are, really, you're going to be happier by being willing to understand those things and sometimes sacrificing them to him. So say, I, I, I understand that I tend to get really emotional about this type of interaction with other people, and I need to learn how to control that because that doesn't look very much like Jesus when I blow up about those things. I need to learn how to have insight into my personality so I can use it. To help other people and look more like Jesus and magnify his name and feel happier and be better in my life. So I can use it to help me do self brain surgery, to get things under control. So I'm not led around by this emotional ring in my nose like a bull. But I can rather navigate my life in a way that that makes an impact and a difference. And I also finish the days with a greater sense of peace and understanding that I, that I did a good job today and I wasn't spending all day just fired up about how somebody didn't honor my personality type. So my two words, insight and identity. If you're willing to go all in with God, you're going to have to be willing to deny yourself and take up your cross. And sometimes that takes willingness even to change how we interact with our own baseline personality type and emotional traits. Sometimes we just have to go all in and give it to him because we don't want to make God jealous of the very thing that he gave us to honor him with, right? So I hope that's, a, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question, River, but I hope it's helpful. That, that's my take on it. I think they can be incredibly useful, but for insight and not for identity, for tools to help us navigate our life, not weapons to help beat other people into compliance with how we want to feel or how we think we're supposed to be interacted with based on our feelings. Feelings aren't facts. They're chemical events. We don't have to believe every thought that's in our head, and we need to relentlessly refuse to participate in our own demise or that of others. So if we want to be good self-brain surgeons, we have to honor the way God made our brains, yes. We have to honor the way God made our personalities, yes. But we also have to be willing to deny ourselves, and take up our cross and follow him because when he makes us a new creation the old is gone and the new has come and those things that he gave us that are evidence of the fruit of the spirit inside of us one of them is self-control and that means controlling our inner self too even when it makes us emotional even when it makes us upset even when it when people hurt our feelings we have to learn how to use that to still push glory towards him and honor towards him because that's how we find true happiness and the good news friend is you can start today Thanks for listening. The Doctor Lee Warren Podcast is listener supported. Check out patron.podbean.com slash Doctor Lee Warren. That's patron. Dot com slash Dr. Lee Warren patrons and partners get free books, transcripts, special patron-only episodes, and more. And partners like you allow us to stay ad-free and keep growing. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com. Dr. com Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together